When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Daniel Gallen and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Hey, welcome into the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn State Health. He's Daniel Gallen. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are here talking Penn State football, looking back as the dust settles here on the second version of National Signing Day. Penn State wraps up its 2022 class by getting to the finish line with one player who was committed, who did not sign in the early signing period, and a little bit of a surprise commitment to bring that class to 25 players, ranked number six in the country, number two in the Big Ten, according to 24-7 Sports. Daniel, just first and foremost, it wasn't, you know, a super busy signing day, but there were enough twists and turns to keep people guessing a little bit. And um, why don't we start, I guess, with uh, with the new signee from Washington, uh, Vega Yone, who we we scrambled a little bit and uh, are grateful to Ryan Snyder from Blue White Illustrated for spelling that out for us because it's not uh, not the easiest name to look at. But he's a three star, six foot four, three hundred thirty pounds, big kid, late addition, interior offensive lineman. Uh, Would you make of that addition here late in the class? Yeah, it was a, a pretty interesting addition uh, when you look at kind of the timeline of everything. Uh, he committed to University of Washington last summer, decommitted uh, in December after they fired Jimmy Lake. Um, he didn't get his Penn State offer until January 14th. Um, and it's not even a month later. And he is signed, sealed, delivered. Um, James Franklin kind of said that when you get to that point in the cycle with a kid that you don't necessarily know if they're coming on the official visit uh, just kind of to, to take a trip to get that all expenses paid experience. But um, it seems like there is a genuine connection. Phil Troutline, uh, I think, flew out there to see him. Um, Stacy Collins, the new special teams coordinator, was really familiar with UNA and that program. Uh, Graham Kabowson, the Class 4A state champs uh, in Washington this year, from Stacy Collins' time out west. That was kind of the thing as a bit of a tangent when they hired Stacy Collins. He's someone who's exclusively worked west of the Mississippi. And so you kind of wonder what that means for Penn State. Uh, from a recruiting perspective, from personnel perspective. And I think we got kind of our, our first look at that with kind of being able to reel in someone from the Pacific Northwest. But yeah, six foot four, 330 pounds. James Franklin said that he thinks Ione can come in and compete early. Um, we'll see. That's always a, a big question with offensive linemen. Penn State bringing in four, uh, four offensive linemen at a, uh, I think what many people would consider to be a, a position of need. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing because you couple that commitment with, and I know we'll talk about these guys coming up, but 
in the 2023 and 24 classes, there are eight total commits, and four of those are on the offensive line, three in the class of 2023. Then they add a late one in the, cl- in the class of 2022. The optics suggest that this is in response to where they were at the end of 2021. I know this is a, a much bigger picture issue that, than that, and it's not just in response, but uh, what do you make of the program really going hard after offensive linemen on the heels of the 21 season? Yeah, I think it's easy to kind of draw that connection. I mean, we all saw how that offensive line struggled despite having uh, a bunch of guys with experience. Um, and I think it is easy to kind of say that, oh, this is, you know, this is in, in response. But I mean, this isn't NFL free agency. Like you're not going to go out and sign four or five, uh, you know, game day ready um, offensive linemen. You know, I think that when you look at young guys, you can contribute uh, in 2022. I've, I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it. You need to look at those redshirt sophomores, the redshirt juniors, the redshirt freshmen. That's where you're going to find the contributors because they've had the time in the system. They've been able to develop their bodies. And, you know, someone like Malik McNeil coming in, the three-star from New York State, uh, he's really raw. Um, I think Drew Shelton has a lot of potential, the four-star from Downingtown West, but he's another kid that is going to need to some of that seasoning, some of that development. So, you know, having this kind of buildup, um, I think it's more in a response to the numbers um, than necessarily the performance. Um, I mean, in 2020, uh, Penn State brought in uh, five uh, offensive line recruits, and those are the guys that I think you're going to need to watch this season. Olu Fashanu, Golden Israel Achumba, Nick Dawkins, that whole crew. Um, that's where you're going to want to see the biggest strides. But in 2021, Landon Tangwell is the only offensive lineman. Nate Bruce uh, didn't make it to campus. Um, they were only signing two to begin with in that smaller class. Now there's only one there. So when you look at kind of the progression of the scholarships, um, obviously those class of 2020 guys, you'll be able to play around with their eligibility a little bit more, but there is going to come a time where you're not going to have uh, many offensive linemen in that class, whenever that's 2023 or 2024. Um, so you got to start building that up now. And I think that that's what Penn State is doing. Pretty concerted approach to do that. You mentioned it, four offensive linemen in this class. I think a probably a needed um, late addition with Ione. Uh, he joins J.B. Nelson from Lackawanna College. Drew Shelton, talented kid from uh, from Downingtown, and uh, Malik McNeil, as you mentioned, six foot seven, three hundred and thirty plus pounds from from New York. I mean, you look at you know the physical stuff there. He moves really really well, but he is going to need some development time. Really, the only one of that group, and just because he's a JUCO, is t- that you can really think about in 2022 would be J.B. Nelson, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. But to your point, you know, that group of redshirt sophomores, we you, you just don't hear much about these guys behind the scenes. And you know it takes time, but you have no idea how these guys are developing, if they're on schedule, ahead of schedule, behind schedule. And so you don't really know until they arrive. And, you know, I, I think uh, it's probably true with a lot of positions, but especially on that offensive line, you know, nobody's just going out of their way to talk about the developmental offensive linemen, but this is the time this coming season with look at, looking at how many spaces look to be available on that too deep, even if it's not starting jobs, that group of guys, their, their time is now. And I think, um, you know, I'm sure they're hoping to build up competition to make this sort of like a make or break type year. Either they establish themselves or, or they maybe they're in trouble with some of these younger guys. With a lot of these offensive linemen, it's definitely kind of out of sight, out of mind, where you'll scroll through the roster and be like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Christ is on the roster. When he kind of came onto the field uh, in that Rutgers game, when they were so shorthanded up front, you were like, oh, this is someone that has been kind of, you know, tucked away, kind of hard to gauge. I mean, 
but the offensive line is just so everything is so technical where, I mean, obviously if you play on the defensive line, you really do need physical development there too, but you can make things happen with instincts and athleticism. Um, whereas on the offensive line, obviously you need to be athletic and you need to have instincts, but I guess those things can't kind of take you as far at, at that position. Um, at least from my perspective, kind of as in, in my experience watching, you know, some of, some of these guys develop in the NFL in high school and at some other colleges. The stakes are so high because one bad rep can, can blow everything up. And the guys you're facing are so good and so strong and so much faster. I mean, it really does. You can have that physical talent, but the odds of, of a kid coming in with, you know, the right amount of strength, uh, the right amount of, you know, foot quickness. If you're talking about tackles, hand placement, those ty- types of technical things. And, you know, just all the little things that add up to a great big deal. You know, it it just does take time, even for special offensive linemen. Landon Tangwall could be an exception because he was he pretty much carried himself like a 30 year old coming out of high school. So it doesn't <laughs> surprise me that much. You know, th- this group is, is, is not bad. Um, I know Penn state fans are looking at this offensive line with a really skeptical eye as they probably should, but I think there are some interesting pieces here and they're only adding to them. We'll talk a little bit more about the future pieces here in a second, but I want to stick with 2022 and Tyrese Mills, the safety from Lackawanna college. He was the only player who was committed, who did not sign in December He got to the finish line, whatever he had to take care of before he could make this happen. They took care of it. Um, He's listed at six foot one, 195 pounds. It's easy to draw some comparisons to Jaquan Brisker or maybe Jair Brown because of where he's coming from and the amount of success that those guys had. But I found it interesting that James Franklin drew a different comparison for Tyrese Mills, um, who was a, uh, the number two junior college player in the country in this class. Yeah. I think that with, with bringing Mills in, um, I think the thing that stood out to me was that Franklin said that Mills is someone who could play kind of the the field linebacker. Um, that's a position that we've seen guys like Curtis Jacobs and um, you know Brandon Smith earlier in his career. But I think Jacobs was a little bit more well suited to that spot. Um, and that's where we've seen Jonathan Sutherland see some time too. So um, I think that's pretty interesting. Franklin said that Mills is best when he's playing downhill, depending on how Manny Diaz wants to use the linebackers, how they use kind of that that third linebacker spot, the, the type of player they want there. I mean, it seems like Mills is someone that they can really move around the defense and kind of make some things happen. I mean, they're bringing in four potential safeties, uh, Christian Driver, Makai Flowers, KJ Winston. Um, and they all kind of seem to be different kind of players um, when you look at their athletic attributes and, and some of the things they've been able to do. Um, but I think of those four, I think Mills, the way that he's been described is probably a little bit more of a thumper than those other guys. So, you know, it's, it's a good solid addition. He has the time from Lackawanna. Um, he's coming in behind Brisker and Brown. Obviously it's hard to expect him to be those players. And, you know, Penn state's hits on Lackawanna guys have been home runs. Um, but you've got, you've got some misses in there too. So it, it's going to be interesting to see James Franklin said he wished that Mills could have been on campus uh, at the semester to kind of get this spring. But when he comes in, he'll have the chance to to compete because there's that open, there's an open spot um, next to Jair Brown on the back end. Jalen Reed, Keaton Ellis are there. Driver Flowers, Winston coming in. That's going to be a fun competition. Uh, I misspoke, by the way. Number two, Juco in Pennsylvania, number 14 in the country. Still highly regarded junior college player from a place where they've had a lot of success at that position in particular. And you make a good point about the four safeties who are coming in because from my viewpoint, 
KJ Winston looks like the most natural, experienced, polished safety of the group. Makai Flowers is probably the most explosive athlete of the group. And, Don, and uh, Christian Driver, the son of Donald Driver, uh, maybe the more most instinctive pure football player of the group. And then you throw in that downhill guy with Tyrese Mills. The competition will be interesting. You have an opportunity to use these guys in different ways, however many Diaz wants. So it's nice to have the variety uh, of talent, the versatility within the scheme to be able to get different different types of looks on the field. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good group coming in. I don't think there's a ton of pressure for um, any of the four to really uh, play a huge role in 2021 because I feel like Keaton Ellis and Jalen Reed are, are pretty firmly established at that point. But Tyrese Mills will be one to watch because what we saw from Jair Brown and from Jaquan Brisker was to play a pretty solid reserve role, not a, a huge number of snaps in year one, and then build that base and uh, and play a much bigger role in year two. So we'll see if you can follow that blueprint. And especially at defensive back. I mean, that's a position where you can rotate in, you can get experience. Um, it's not like quarterback, offensive line, like you're going to rotate and even linebacker, like you're going to rotate guys through on the back end. We saw that last year with kind of how Kalen King and Johnny Dixon um, got time behind Joey Porter Jr. and Tariq Castro Fields um, down the stretch. So, I mean, of those four, I think it's most likely you see Tyrese Mills on the field next season, but I think that he'll, he'll get a chance, which when you bring a kid in, I mean, that's all you can ask for, a chance for him to make an early impact. Looking back at Marcus Allen, I think there, there were probably some times where you wished that his ball skills and his coverage and his range were a little bit better. But at the same time, one of the challenges with high school safeties is, in this case, a junior college safety, is to try to convince them to have that downhill mindset, to try to convince them to be able to play in the box and to get tough against the run and be physical. You know, some of these great athletes didn't have to do a, a ton of that, or they were so good and so dynamic in high school that it didn't really, they weren't getting pushed around very much. So it's nice to have a guy coming in who uh, you don't have to convince him of anything. He, he, he's his style plays that way, and uh, I think it's a, I think it's a really valuable addition in, in addition to his his talent there. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. This, this was from a few days prior, but... Additions to the 2023 and the 2024 classes, both along the offensive line, start in 2023. Anthony Donko um, from Virginia, he's 6'5", 310 pounds. He's listed as an interior offensive lineman, but I did see, I think it was Sean Fitz from Lions 247, said he was definitely going to be a tackle at the next level. That, that, was, his, that was his thinking. Uh, so he's listed as the number 10 player in Virginia. He's the third Virginia offensive lineman in the 2023 class. So they're building whatever you want to make out of that. Uh, he joins Alex Birchmont and Joshua Miller. Um, so what do you, what do you make of, of you know, three O lineman from Virginia and three O lineman in, in a group of seven so far? Yeah. And, and depending on what position mega Barnwell plays um, in, in college, uh, I think that two, four, seven has him listed as an athlete now where he was formerly listed as a tight end. So if there's the, the chance that they decide with, with his growth um, to move him uh, to the line, uh, then you could be looking at four offensive linemen from from Virginia, which is uh, which is a, a pretty pretty interesting distribution. 
He comes from an area uh, that is known for producing uh, high-level college talent, that Northern Virginia. I'd never heard of Light Ridge, um, even though I spent some time uh, covering high schools in Northern Virginia. Turns out it only opened in 2020. So uh, that that's kind of why, because I saw the, the name come across and you know, the first thing you do is try to figure out, okay, where is this? And I was blanking for a while, but so he's from the same area as Alex Birchmeyer, uh, the five-star, five-star offensive lineman, same area as Trace McSorley, um, that kind of Northern Virginia Ashburn out near Dulles area. Um, so, you know, that he's seeing good competition on a, on a weekly basis in college. And I think you look at the frame, six foot five, three ten. there are some skills there, Duke, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, uh, the other offers. So, he had kind of that regional ACC um, plus West Virginia interest, which is kind of those those types of programs are in early um, on good guys from there. So I think Penn State did a good job here. The offer was, came in on January 12th. Um, and I'm really interested in kind of watching a little bit more of him and kind of learning a little bit more about him because, you know, obviously my, my ear isn't to the ground on, on the recruiting as much as some other people, but I vaguely remember him getting that offer. And then when I saw his name across, come across uh, on Friday, uh, I was in the car driving to DC for, for a three day weekend. And uh, I saw the, we are tweet come across and I saw the name and I was like, huh, I'm gonna have to do some research. So you swerved recklessly through multiple lanes of traffic <laughs> to get to the side of the road, to research and to post something on Penn live. Bravo to you, my friend. And by the way, it is amazing, and I'm sure this is just recruiting in general. How ill time, just on a personal level, a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff happens. But there you go. He was commitment number seven in the class. Is shaping up to be a really nice class with um with some beef up front, all from Virginia so far. 2024 got its first commitment in Cooper Cousins from McDowell and Erie. Um, six foot five, 285 pounds. And you have to keep, kind of keep in mind we are talking about a current high school sophomore. So he committed on Saturday. He got an offer in October. Uh, first commit had a, had a sprinkling of offers, and you suspect that maybe as he grows, like I'm really curious to see where the six five, two hundred eighty five pound freshman or sophomore goes from here. Uh, how much taller he gets, how much wider he gets, and ultimately what position he ends up playing. You see, you watch his huddle film now from this past season, playing a lot of center, and uh, certainly looks like lengthwise, especially if he grows an inch or two. We're looking at maybe more of a tackle at the next level, but with that versatile. Um, history that James Franklin um, likes so much. You know, I, I watched some of the tape this morning, and uh, you know, as a sophomore, it's a pretty impressive uh, selection. Um, you know, pushing guys around, driving guys into the ground. I do think it is interesting to kind of watch him play center when you talk about him projecting out. Um, you know, as maybe a tackle in the future. I feel like usually it kind of goes the the opposite way, where um, as you advance through the ranks, you kind of move inside as kind of the the athleticism of the opponents gets bigger and and whatnot. So I think that that's kind of interesting. And I think it bodes well um, in terms of his his mental development, because if you're playing center, you have to know um, a lot about what's going on. And I think it really showcases his, his athleticism um, in some of his highlights. He's getting around the edge. He's pulling. Um, he's getting into the second level. And I think that it's it's a lot of things that from the untrained eye like me, it's it's a lot of things you like to see. Um, from an offensive lineman. So uh, like you said, a sprinkling of other offers, Kentucky, Pitt, Toledo, um, according to 247. It's kind of a, an interesting selection. The second class in a row where you have that quote-unquote first commit um, as an offensive lineman. 
I know it's a little different with 2023 because uh, Barnwell was committed, decommitted, recommitted. But I think there was kind of enough of a gap there between the decommitment and the recommitment that you can kind of give Alex Birchmeyer uh, the nod as the, the first commit in that class. So it does seem to be pretty deliberate that uh, Penn State wants to build its classes from, from the inside out, uh, which is a little interesting given how uh, 2022, the real emphasis, I mean, Drew Shelton was an early commitment there, but it really did kind of feel like the emphasis was on the skill positions um, for, for the Lions uh, in the last cycle. Especially recently and um, looking at Cooper Cousins, you know, I, I wonder, you know, what James Franklin has seen, what uh, what kind of height and size he has in his in his family tree to try to anticipate where he might be going. But it would be a, a real stunner if this sophomore who who is listed at that height and weight is not, you know, six six three twenty by the time this is all all said and done. It, it, be, it, would, it would be a surprise to me. And if he's listed there, I mean, it's not unheard of that he'd be able to play on the interior spots, but that frame, most commonly, you'll see it on the outside, but maybe a little bit of, of flexibility in, in his future. Um, speaking about the offensive line, we have a few more updates quick before we sign off here. And this was the same deal. Maybe I think it was a little bit later in the cycle last year, uh, but Joshua mm-hmm. Miller and Alex Birchmeyer jumped out and, and shut down their commitments. They um, joined Mega Barnwell in doing so, which a lot of people kind of smile at Mega Barnwell shutting things down. I was like, okay, how <laughs> shut down is it from the kid who decommitted, recommitted? Um, but I think the point remains, you know, I think trying to send a message of stability in this group and try to send a message with leaders in this class. And just like Landon Tangwall was um, in the 2021 class, a really important guy. And I, I think the spring or, or early summer, that cycle, Alex Birchmeyer being a primetime guy, like I think he's a five-star in the 24-7 sports composite, for him to shut things mm-hmm. down and for him to be willing to play that leader role and bring guys together in the in the class, I do think this is a significant thing, even though you, you kind of take with a grain of salt to some extent what a verbal commitment is and what a shutdown really is. Yeah, obviously, verbal commitments are non-binding. Uh, we're still more than, what, nine 10, 10 months away from when these guys can actually sign. A lot of things can happen between now and then. Um, but yeah, I think it was more kind of over the, I think like in late spring last year, I think in May um, was the first time that that we started seeing these graphics come out. Um, I think it was really kind of ahead of when uh, visits were allowed again. Um, in June, you had guys like Ken Talley come out and say that he was locked in. Drew Aller, Bo Prabula did it on the same day at essentially the same time um, as kind of a little you know, everything's calculated when it comes to recruiting. There's always kind of an ulterior signal that's getting sent. And I thought that was kind of an interesting one uh, in terms of the dynamic of the two quarterback class. It's a little bit earlier this year, but I think it makes sense when you factor in the the timing of the visits and the fact that we're on kind of the more uh, normal recruiting calendar, as opposed to 2022, where we're still in the, the aftermath of, of 2021 and whatnot. I think that we'll see more more guys do it right now. That's three out of seven. Um, and I think Miller was the most recent of those because Birchmeyer committed last July. Uh, Barnwell recommitted in September. Miller committed in December. So I feel like maybe some of these uh, more recent guys that we'll hear from them um, in the future. And it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's, uh, it's a, another way to kind of get your school, get your class, get your recruit in the news again. Um, because you usually it's kind of you have the commitment announcement and then you might not hear from someone again um, until signing day. But 
this is kind of a, a reminder of, of who's in the class. We write about it. So we remind everyone of who's in the class and, and how good it is. And it's, it's a good projection. I mean, I can't really think of another school um, that, that is really doing this type of thing. So uh, recruiting never stops. And uh, I'm sure that a couple other guys are going to be uh, we are forever um, in, in the next couple of weeks and months. Last year, in the 22 class, I mean, there were some things swirling at that point. There were there were there was talk about Caden Saunders and Ohio State and Caden Saunders and, and I think uh, Notre Dame and maybe even like Alabama. There were there was definitely some conversation out there about how committed he really was. And there was also conversation around that time about, you know, whether or if Drew Aller will get an Ohio State offer and if that offer ever came, if he would. And so there was some speculation at that point. And so putting out these commitments, it was, it was significant because of that, but it was also more reactive. And now this time around, it's a much more proactive blow um, in addition to, I think, that, that extra little round of news cycle that they get from it. Yeah, I, th- I think last year, like Drew Shelton was really the big one um, because he had, he had the Florida visit. He was at Penn State, I think, the first day of, the, of the, the visit period, but then went to Florida. And then at the very end of the month, that's when he kind of, he shut things down and and reaffirmed his commitment. Um, So a lot of these things, you want it to be peer driven. And I think that if, if you're in, if you're in the recruiting class and you see the leaders saying that they're, they're shutting things down and, and you haven't said that you're, you've shut things down yet. uh, I think that it kind of creates, it creates an interesting dynamic that I think can kind of keep things together and, and really bring, bring a group of guys closer together. And it does bring a little extra layer to the significance of a verbal commitment, because when, when you say I'm shutting it down, it feels a little different if you change your mind after that, you know, if you say you're verbally committed and you change your mind, a lot of guys do that, but you know, you know, you, you know, it, it's a little different to be like, absolutely not. I am done with all this. And then two weeks later, be like, you know what? I'm actually not done. You know, that weighs on you a little bit. So you have to think about it and um, you have to weigh that. I'm sure there's a, a little bit of pressure, even if nobody's putting it on these other guys, the other four, to say the same thing. And now, now you've got something. Sam Pendleton from the 2023 class. He's a four star from Rivals. He includes Penn State in his top five. Um, not much to, to say or think about that, other than that Penn State's in the running. They've got offensive line momentum on their side, and and sometimes that's meaningful in in a position group on the recruiting front. Uh, but otherwise, just kind of wait and see on him. You kind of you kind of wonder how many more offensive linemen can Penn State take, um, and kind of what their overall uh, number situation is going to be, uh, because you had small class, big class. Now uh, I think we're kind of they're off to they have one of the bigger classes already. Um, so we'll we'll see how that that kind of shakes out. But um, I do think it is interesting that you're seeing all these offensive line commitments, um, and then another offensive lineman has Penn State in the top five. I think that. That kind of speaks to Phil Troutline um, and kind of what Penn State is doing on the recruiting trail. Uh, one more news item, Anthony Wigan, not a huge surprise, was not listed on the uh, the roster update from um, late last month, but now he's in the transfer portal. And I believe what he's got one season of eligibility to try to take his talents on the road somewhere and crack a starting lineup and make the most of it. Yeah, uh, I think w- Wigan's got one one year left. Uh, Well-documented was, was your starter in, in week one. Uh, lost a job to Eric Wilson. Uh, he did start in a Rutgers game at right guard, I believe, uh, when Penn State was hit hard by that that flu bug. But Wigan is someone who, when you talk, when I mentioned earlier with, with Lackawanna, where the hits that you have are home runs, but 
when you miss, I mean, your, your hit percentage is still going to be, it's like baseball. Like you're going to be hitting 300 uh, and everyone's going to remember the the three home runs, but there are a couple, a couple misses in there. I mean, Wigan, Norvell black um, are two that really stand out from, from recent years. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. And I think that it has been interesting the past couple uh, weeks when the guys who weren't listed on the roster to kind of see where they end up Wigan in the portal um, I believe AJ Litton in the transfer portal. Uh, but then the York daily record had a story with Drew Hartlob, uh, who was not listed on the roster. He had a year left. Uh, he's going to try to make it in the NFL. Um, so I think that it is kind of, it is interesting to see kind of where these guys who aren't on the roster, um, where they're going to surface, whether that is in someone's, you know, OTA program, uh, this spring or, um, at another, uh, college roster this fall. Good for Drew Hartlob. If you're special on special teams, you know, Dan Chisena made a, a roster as an undrafted guy as a special teamer because of his speed. Matthew Slater for the New England Patriots has not done hardly anything else on that Patriots roster except stand out on special teams, and he's carved out a long career. So it's possible, and it's out there, and I'm rooting for him. There you go. That's Daniel Gallon. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Check out Daniel on Twitter at Daniel JT Gallon. Check us out on uh, penlive.com. You can visit penlive.com slash Penn State football and be sure to subscribe and download to the Blue White Breakdown. Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube, all the places you can find us. Thanks for tuning in to this edition and we'll see you next time. This is the Blue White Breakdown.